Be thou my battle shield. Be thou my battle shield, sword for my fight. Be thou my dignity. Be thou my dignity. Thou my delight. Thou my delight. Thou my soul shelter. Thou my soul shelter. Thou my high tower. Feel free to stand up, to sit down, to move around. I don't know if we've got the flags unlocked. Penny, do you have the keys for the flags? For the flags? For the flag drawer? The keys are inside. This morning's service is about, well, I'll, we'll get into We're going to do the song. Um, this might be a bit more of a reflective service at the beginning, so um, just try and take, take a bit of time to um, just to kind of clear the, clear the week and turn your, turn your, turn your eyes spiritually to, to Jesus.
actually we're don't get too far flagging on going on flagging because they're going to stop and do some teaching for a bit you'll have more of a chance don't worry so this is going to be a bit of a different service this morning because because i'm actually doing the preaching so uh you feel free and sit down if you want we've got like i don't know like 25 songs and i've got about eight pages of notes so it get comfortable. No, it's not that bad. actually have I don't have that many notes I think I read through what I had yesterday to Kristen when we were getting ready in about 15 minutes was that maybe that so we added more songs so we'd have more worship because the well I'll ask you why, why why is everybody here this morning worship I was hoping that answer would come out because that's the theme but any other answers why why are you here praise the Lord anybody else meet with the father okay Anybody else? Pray and celebrate. Pray and celebrate. I like celebrate. That's good. Fellowship. Be with each other. Can't call it fellowship. There's no food. I guess. Well, we're we're together. That's 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 good. Relationship. Yeah. Anybody else? Why are? This is probably a good question to ask ourselves regularly. Why am I going to church? Because there's a to a certain extent. I mean, some, some, well, my kids have been doing it their whole lives. Uh, Carol's been going to church her whole life, um, my wife. So there's, in some cases, this can, this can become habit, and it's, it'd be easy for it to just become something we do. I don't, I don't think any of us obviously want to, to get that way, but... Um, I think one of the main reasons, uh, if you look back, kind of church history, this getting together like this um, is there in the very, very early church, but they were Jewish, so they were meeting at the temple. Um, then as they got persecuted, it turned into house churches. So that there's always been gatherings. I think they've changed in size over history, but there's always, there's always been gatherings. Um, do not forsake the fellowship of the believers, like coming together. Um, and there's lots, there's lots in the New Testament about coming together. But uh, worship definitely is a theme that's there for the, for the body, for the ecclesia. And it's definitely a theme throughout Scripture, even before there was a church. So you go back to, to Abraham's day, I mean, there was, no, there was no gathering, there was no religion. There was just him and God back, back then, or Adam. Let's go right all the way back to Adam and Eve. Um, so specific to worship, though. So I, I, you got the scriptures ready to go there? We got a pile of scriptures. So First Chronicles sixteen twenty three. So today we're going to talk about and participate in the worship of our God. So let's read this out loud together. Hopefully, I got the right version. Sing to the Lord, all the earth proclaims. Okay. So if you can read this out loud with me, sing to the Lord, all the earth, proclaim His salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. 
He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his dwelling place. Ascribe to the Lord, all you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns. So there's a whole bunch of stuff in that, in that, in that scripture. And this is actually 1 Chronicles 16. This is when, um, this is actually when David was reestablishing the tabernacle. And so I'm going to talk a little bit more uh, about that, what, what David was doing there. But. So we were made to worship. Ultimately, we'll end up worshiping in heaven. Uh, Revelations 22.9 um, talks about that. Basically, they're, they're worshiping up in heaven. You look through Revelations, there's a very clear picture of that. It's not that God needs the worship. He's fully self-sufficient. He's not, uh, that's not, it's not as much for him, I don't think, as it's for us. Uh, ultimately, we gain from it. It's a path to a more intimate relationship with him. He created us in love to worship him, and actually, bottom line, he's worthy of it. So Revelations 4.11, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor pow and power, for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. So the definition of the word worship in Merriam-Webster, so the dictionary is always a little interesting, some of the definitions, but reverence offered a divine being or a supernatural power. Uh, it's also an act of expressing such reverence. Another part of the definition is extravagant respect or admiration for or devotion to an object of esteem. And that word reverence, I have to try to think of what's, what's in that word, so it equals honor or respect felt or shown. Deference or deference especially. Profound, adoring, awed respect. That word adoring really you know, kind of sums it up. That's a very intimate, intimate word. So by definition then, worship is, this is my definition, uh, the position of and any actions performed that express love, honor, adoration, and respect towards God the Father, the Son, and or the Holy Spirit. So I'd add that uh, worship, it can come out of a conscious choice, and it also comes out of a spontaneous response to who he is. So there's definitely examples of both in Scripture. You know, when Gabriel shows up, and what, when Jacob is dealing with God, you're not quite sure if it's an angel or it's God. Either way, it's a representation of God, and, and these guys go down. They're, so there's instant worship. I wouldn't say that was a conscious choice. When he goes up, when John goes up to uh, whichever heaven it is in Revelations, he falls down. And then the angel says, get up, don't worship me, worship God. And that's, the angel's just a, you know, um, a, he's just a creation of God's, but he's still that magnificent. He falls down to worship. So imagine what it's going to be like to actually be before God, fully. Um... In Scripture, there's a number of words that are translated into worship. I, remember Dallas did that? He did a series, oh, it was a couple of years ago. There was, it was like Barak, Kalal, Shika, Tahila, Tada, Tada, and Yada. I forget what, Yada was this one. I think Tada was this one or something. 
and Zamar. Zamar is to praise with the instruments. And, but worship includes so much more than singing as well. So there's, there's a number of different words. If you try and do a word study on it, there's a lot. Worship of God has been there throughout creation. So all creation worships him, both heaven and earth. Nehemiah 9.6. Is that that one? I got all, isn't it nice I got it all lined up for you, Penny? But um Okay. You alone are the Lord. You have made the heavens, the heaven of heavens with all their hosts, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them. You give life to all of them, and the heavenly host bows down before you. So there's all of heaven worshiping God. And then Psalm 66.4. All the earth bows down to you. They sing praise to you. They sing the praises of your name. And then worship also continues on into eternity. Revelations 4, 8, 11 talks about worship going on day and night with the, the 24 elders who actually represents us, the saints. And whenever the four creatures call out, holy, 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 is the Lord God Almighty, the 24 elders all bow down and say the same thing. It's, and that's going on day and night. So looking through scriptures, there's lots of examples of worship. Uh, the very first one is probably Adam and Eve working in the garden. And this is might not be one. This isn't one I was aware of, uh, but working actually is a form of worship. So it was agreement. What they were doing and looking after the garden was agreement with who God made them to be and obedience to what he wanted them to do. So there's two important words in there, agreement and obedience. So even Adam's initial task, which in Genesis 2.16, was the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And it's interesting, that word uh, put, put him in the garden, that word put is actually the same word that they use for when they take an offering and place it before the altar. So it, Adam was actually placed by God in the garden as an offering. And then the word work it, or work, there actually is, uh, that's actually worship. That word work is, uh, it's the same Hebrew word that translates into both work and worship. So this is, uh, I mean, good news for those that like to work hard with their hands but aren't necessarily so keen on singing out songs. That's still worship. You can do it unto God and it's still worship. So other examples would be Cain and Abel. Um, of course, and when they brought their offerings, one brought the grain. Well, he brought actually just of his, of his grains. And then uh, Abel brought of his first, firstborn and the fat, the fat of it. And uh, this, that brings up a whole question about um, um, what's the word there? acceptable worship, which I'm not going to go into, but something to consider. Um, there's more worship with sacrifices from Noah in Genesis 8.20. Obviously, Noah, you might be more inclined to worship when you hear directly from God. Maybe. I, I'm thinking so. Um, Abram in Genesis 12.7 and Genesis 13.4 and on and on. So just a, a quick note on Noah. Uh, after they came out of the ark, he built an altar and he sacrificed some of all the clean animals. Like, remember, there was, they went in two by two, but then of all the clean animals, he said take, I think it was seven pairs. So there was extras of the clean animals. And um, uh, so he, he builds an altar, and, and he uh, sacrifices some of those clean animals. And God's reaction in Genesis 8, 21 is cool. The Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, Never again will I curse the ground because of humans, even though every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood. And never again will I destroy all living creatures as I have done. So God didn't tell Noah to make that sacrifice or to worship. Noah did it out of response to God. And you can see God's, God's reaction to it. 
He loves steak, I think. I think God loves steak too. So when we're barbecuing, that is worship. That is a pleasing aroma to the Lord. I was telling the kids last night, I think the reason why God had uh, pigs as an unclean animal is because the scent of bacon would have, he would have done anything probably for the scent of bacon. That's like the scent of heaven. So he opened things right up when he, when he made pigs clean and we could start cooking bacon. Like he probably just, oh, that's a sweet and pleasing aroma. So breakfast is worship in my mind. So later on in the Old Testament, the priests carried out the worship of God uh, by offering sacrifices. So it, it got a lot more structured. Um, the Lord gave really strict instructions for the whole process, kind of end to end. There were basically two kinds of sacrifices or offerings. There was sin offerings and thank offerings. So the sin offering, which required blood, um, there was, I mean, again, there was a whole process for that and we won't get into, but that's now been taken care of once and for all by Jesus. So that's Hebrews 10.10. 10. Look at that. And by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. So we don't have to do the blood sacrifices anymore. Good, good on it, because that's, that's kind of messy. Um, the thank offerings, though, we get to continue on with. And all the more because of what Jesus has done for us. I think we have a lot more to be thankful for even than they did then. First uh, Peter, um, oh, sorry, and we, and we get to do this as priests, because that, that was part of God's intention. So First Peter 2.5, You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So this is now New Testament. These are New Testament scriptures. So we get to offer. We are priests, every one of you. If you know Jesus, you're a priest, part of the royal priesthood. And you get to offer spiritual sacrifices. So that, I mean, that's, I'm not going to get into that as a whole topic, but that's, that's what we get to do today. So our, our singing, our work, the sacrifice of our heart, our obedience, all those things. Those are spiritual sacrifices. First uh, Peter 2.9 But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his, his wonderful light. So this talks about our, our purpose being to praise and worship there as well. Um, it, it's interesting like trying to study worship because in the Old Testament there's lots of references to worship lots of them the sacrifices the, the, the bowing down um, the altars in the New Testament you, you don't see it as nearly as explicitly um, I'll, I'll get into that in a, in a bit here but uh, in the Old Testament there was a rules based pattern established for worship people who st stepped outside of that of those rules anybody stepped outside of that was, was killed so Leviticus 10, 1 and 2, there was Nabad and Abihu, the sons, did I say it? Abihu? They're the sons of Aaron. And they brought a strange fire before God. And he didn't like that, so he burned them up with his fire. So don't mess around with strange fire. I'm not sure what strange fire was. That's all scripture says. Um, then 2 Chronicles 26, 16, Uzziah, he decided he was going to go into the temple and burn incense. And because he wasn't a priest, God did, dealt with him severely as well. You, just, you, you didn't mess around. In the Old Testament, you didn't mess around outside of the rules of worship because uh, even when they were, they were moving the ark and it, the oxen stumbled and, I forget, uh, Uriah, I think it was, uh, Uzzah? Uzzah. He reached out to steady it, which you think would be a good thing. Um, no, 
that God didn't like that, so he struck him down. And David was pretty upset with that. So then along comes David. And he was a man after God's own heart. Scripture says that. He worshipped out of a relationship with God. So he broke a lot of the rules. And he got away with it. So what was different? Why did he get away with not doing it by the rules? Uh, he showed a pattern of worship that, po that pointed to what it would be like when Jesus came and restored our relationship with God. So in the Old Testament, worship was more event-oriented. You can see that. That's why you can see it so clear in Scripture. It was events. There was, they built an altar. They did this. Uh, in the New Testament, it's relationship-oriented. Uh, in the Old Testament, it was, uh, there, there, it was relationship-oriented for a few. So you can see Abraham, Noah, Moses, David. They walked with God. Enoch walked with God and then was no more. Um, but in the New Testament, it's relationship-oriented for all of us. It's not these events, even though we, we get pulled into that. Our worship is all the time. It can be all the time, and it should be throughout the week. It shouldn't just be on Sunday mornings. Uh, John 4.23. Yet a time is coming and has now come. So this is Jesus talking to the Samaritan woman at the well. So he's yet a, t yet a time is coming and has now come with, with him, with Jesus. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. In the Old Testament, you didn't, they didn't talk about worshiping the Father. They worshiped Yahweh, the Lord, the big almighty God who was going to kill you if you didn't follow the rules for the worship. Now once Jesus has come, we worship our Father that we now know personally and we have access to. And that's like a, a night and day difference. And, he, and so we get to walk in what David got to walk. David walked in this ahead of time. He got to pull something from the future into his time because he was a man after God's own heart, because he sought God's face, and he was in relationship with God. So God let him do that, which is cool. But when Jesus came and then did what he did, died on the cross, broke the curse for us, um, gave us that ability to now to have our sins forgiven by God, and now we've got access to God. And then he sent the Holy Spirit to enable that relationship with God and Jesus as well. Well, now we're in a completely different place to worship because now we get to, we get to worship out of relationship. As when I was in studying this for this, I'm looking for the specific references in the New Testament for the events, and they just, they aren't there nearly the same way. But there's a lot of inferences to worship. Like, there's a lot of verses that talk, that basically imply that they were worshiping together. And uh, so I, I, the biggest change there, I think, because now we worship out of relationship, it's, it, and it's about family. That was what God was trying to reestablish, was family. He wanted to be our father. He wanted us to be our children. So Jesus was the firstborn of all creation. So now we accept the sacrifice he made. We get to be co-heirs with him. We're brothers. We're brothers with Jesus, co-heirs with Christ. So that's now it's, it's family relationship. It's not the God and the people. It's, it's much closer. It's relationship. And I, I think, again, when you, when you read through the New Testament, worship was much more of a lifestyle, and it was just part of every day. It was just what they did. 
People didn't know, need to go to the temple to offer the prescribed sacrifices as part of the rituals. And I think God was being worshipped out of a response to who he is. And also, they were, they were worshipping out of what Jesus had done, rather than out of an obligation because of the rules that they'd been brought up with. And, and again, a huge difference is that worship is now enabled by the Holy Spirit. Remember when uh, Jesus asks, asks his disciples, the disciples, who do you say I am? And, and Peter says, well, you're the Christ. And Jesus says, you wouldn't know that unless my Father had revealed it to you. So the, the Holy Spirit reveals that to us. So if, if you've accepted Jesus, that's only possible because Jesus, God revealed, your, revealed himself to you. Jesus revealed himself to you. You wouldn't be able to know that otherwise, which is kind of interesting. Hebrews 13, 15. Now, through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. So this is New Testament scripture. Continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. Ephesians 2, 10. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And, if that, and that word works, again, means worship. So these are both, like, we've got... We can continually be in worship in our lives today. So we know that we're made to worship. So what does that look like? I think it involves every part of us. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. I don't think there's anything left over that isn't a part of us there. That, that, that included every bit of us. I think our bodies are involved, specifically even. Romans 12.1, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. I think it involves serving others. Hebrews 13.16, And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. Our money is an aspect of it. Philippians 4.18, says, I have received full payment. This is, this is Paul in, uh, in his letter um, to the Philippians. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. But that's one I hadn't noticed before. So our, our offerings, even our, our money, our finances, is a fragrant offering to God. I always liked the smell of cash, personally, but I, I didn't know God, was, God liked it as well. Being thankful is important. Hebrews 12, 28. Therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe. And I think part of reverence is having a holy fear of him too. Psalm 22, 23. You who fear the Lord, praise him. Obedience, I think is a big part of it. First uh, Samuel 15, 22. But Samuel replied, uh, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. So we know from God's response to Noah's sacrifice that he really likes sacrifices. He likes the smell of, 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 the, sac of the, the offering like that. But obedience is even better. Hearing from God and obeying is probably a whole series of messages all by itself, so I won't get into that, but it's, obedience is, is an important thing. 
Our worship is only acceptable to God in and through Jesus. So this gets into the acceptable worship. 1 Peter 2.5, which you looked at before. You also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house for, for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Jesus is our only way to God. He's it. He's our only way to worship. He's our only way to salvation. He is our salvation. So more than anything, though, um, I mean, I, we can go through all the technical aspects of, of worship. It's, it's tempting when you start, when I started looking at it, there's, there's temptation to, to look at the Old Testament models and, oh, we should be doing this in preparation like they did in the temple and stuff. And, um, but, I, I, yeah, I just didn't... Because uh, worship is much more about what flows out of our hearts. It's, it's not about, do we have these songs? Do we have prayer and order and, and the declare, declaration of the word? And, um, you know, in, in some religions, there's very specific, you know, they get the censors going and you got to kneel at the right times and all, all the rules. And I don't, I, I don't... Based on what we see of David... And, and he, he lived in that environment. He got to break all the rules because he worshipped out of his heart. He worshipped out of relationship. So I think he's, our, he's a better example there. Uh, Philippians 2, 9 through 11. Therefore God exalted him, being Jesus, to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's the ultimate worship. So one day, whether you choose to or not even, every knee will bow to Jesus because God exalted him. So there's, a, again, in part of that thing, looking at preparing for worship and in the Old Testament, there was a lot about sanctification and cleansing, being clean, separating. It was, you know, a lot about prep preparation. Um, I'm going to just quickly look at the woman who anointed Jesus' feet with nard. And that's it's kind of funny. I, I, I always thought that that was uh, one particular Mary, but it's not actually clear. So it might have been Mar Martha. They think it's Martha and Lazarus' sister, Mary, but it's not, not for sure. Anyways, her name is Mary. Um, so Luke seven thirty six through fifty. Let's see. So Jesus anointed by a sinful woman. And I want you to, when you when there's that temptation to get right before you come to God, I want you to think of this story. So when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house, reclined at the table. He used to lie down at the tables back then, which is kind of comfortable, I think. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. And I think that thing was worth a year's wages or something. Like it, was a, it was a big deal. So she obviously had had some money, um, some wealth to even get this thing. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. And if you can imagine, that's, that's some serious weeping to get, some, to get somebody's feet wet with tears. That's a lot of tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on his feet, which is an unbelievably intimate act. 
Has anybody washed somebody else's feet as an adult? Anybody ever done that? That's like, that's crazy intimate. It's like, it's uncomfortable intimate. And so she, here she is crying on his feet, drying them with her hair, and then anointing them with the perfume. When the Pharisees who invited him saw this, the Pharisee uh, who invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. So Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he says. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, You see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been, been forgiven little, loves little. And then Jesus says to her, your sins are forgiven. Of course, everybody's like, what? Who is this who even forgives sins? And then he says to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So did she do any preparation to cleanse her heart or do the sacrifices before she came to worship Jesus? Uh, she came as she was in repentance. I think she's in repentance. And to repent means to turn, to turn your thinking, to turn to God. It doesn't just mean to stop doing the sinful stuff. It means to turn to God, to change your way of thinking. And I think she was in full repentance here, in complete worship, complete worship to Jesus. And Jesus accepted that totally. She didn't come for forgiveness. She didn't come to... Oh, she came to meet with Jesus, definitely. She definitely came to meet with him, but she didn't come for any of the things that you know we often think about coming to worship for. She just came to worship the person of Jesus Christ because he's worthy. And that, that one spoke to me quite a bit when I read that. I don't think that um, we can worship uh, Jesus that way without a revelation of who he is. We can, we can worship to a certain extent out of conscious choice, but I, I think um, the ones... Has anybody, has anybody heard of Stephanie Frizzell? Stephanie Frizzell Gretzinger, she's the singer at Bethel. Um, there's also a, oh, it's a lady from Jesus Culture. There's, there's people that, like worship leaders that you, you, you hear and see that they're worshiping from a different place when they're, when they're singing, when they're worshiping. And when you hear their story, it's because they have had a profound encounter with Jesus. And so they worship from that, that place of that encounter, of that relationship. And I think um, for all of us, this is uh, something that's necessary, a revelation of who Jesus is. Um, for myself, this is probably one of the things I pray for the most, is a, a greater revelation of, of who Jesus is. So we're, we're going to go back into some worship, and um, but we're going we're gonna to ask for this revelation.
So, kind of in light of all this stuff about worship, what, what I'm hoping happens for us this morning is we're, um, the, being here this morning isn't an automatic thing for us, that we just go through the, go through the service, because it's what we do on Sunday, but um, there's a, Bill Johnson, he talks about in his worship, he, he turns his, his adoration to Jesus, he turns his adoration to God, and, and God meets him in that. And this is something I've been trying to work on. How do I, how do I turn my adoration to him? So we're going to pray and ask for a revelation of who Jesus is. And we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to move and, and do that. And we're going to do a, a few more songs. And then we're uh, going to talk a little bit more about um, the David's tabernacle and the way he did worship back then. Um, we're going to tie a few more things in here, a few different exercises. But if you can just... just take time within yourself to we're, we're going to pray for the revelation but if you can ask ask yourself personally as well Jesus show me who you are Father show me who you are Holy Spirit you said you were going to reveal who Jesus was so, so do that do that for me okay. so Holy Spirit uh, Jesus said that you would glorify and honor him because you will take from what is his and will disclose it to us Jesus, you said if we have seen you, then we have seen the Father. So please give us a new revelation of who you are as a Father, Lord. Jesus, who you are as the Christ. The Holy Spirit, who you are in us.
this to yourself. And you could continue to, that we with unveiled faces, Scripture says we turn our face and the veil is removed. So Father, we turn our face to you this morning so that we with unveiled faces can see you for who you are.
anybody getting a... I really want to know what the Holy Spirit's doing something. Because when I was getting this ready, I'm like, Holy Spirit's got to show up <laughs> to bring a new revelation. Is anybody getting a new picture of God or Jesus or Holy Spirit that they haven't necessarily had before or expanded? I, I won't. Uh, it's not that it's happening right, right here now. It is, and and it isn't just new revelation though. Uh, as soon as you started, I, um, I, I know that you're tapping into. Uh, you're scratching the surface of something that the Lord wants to go deep into, and uh, and that's why why are we here? Um, we we come to church. If we're thinking we're coming to church in the morning here, uh, Sunday morning, we're, we're, we're already in a wrong thinking pattern because we are the church. We're not coming to church. We're not coming to do church. We're not, um, um, we're not coming to, uh, to um, participate in church, although we are in a sense, but it's our hearts that the Lord's after. And... Um, and there, there's, there's um, information, or people are starting to dig into this. You know, we, we, we get a, a form or, or in a mind or, or what we're thinking church is, and it actually stops us or, or it, becomes a, it becomes a form or a habit that, um, that doesn't involve our hearts anymore because it's all about heart worship. It's all about... Um, recognizing who God is and uh, and who um, his, his the extent of his mercy and love for us um, on the way into town this morning or not this morning a few mornings ago there was uh, an individual talking on the radio and um, he was talking about a, a seminar he'd put on and somebody asked him how can a, how can a loving God uh, allow bad things to happen in the world and, uh, and this, this person putting on the seminar said, uh, or the teaching said, said, you're asking, the, he said, I won't answer that question. And uh, the guy asked, why? And he says, he says, you're asking the wrong question. And uh, he said, if you want to ask the right question, which gets us into the right mindset and um, gets us thinking along the right direction, how can, a, he said, the question should be, how can a, a loving, uh, holy, um, righteous God who is all-powerful uh, not strike us dead in our sleep because because of the sin that we were involved in the day before and uh, it's his mercy that uh, has brought us into the kingdom it's his mercy that allows us to participate in um, in relationship with him and uh, apart from his love and mercy we, we can't enter into relationship with him. But, but when, we get, when you get somebody like King David, whose heart, whose heart is so engaged with the Lord and with his, in his relationship with the Lord, that's why he can um, go above the, the rules that were set in place back in the, New Te- in the Old Testament um, because he had a heart after God's own heart. And that's really what God's after for us. It's, it's really not our money. It's really not our, our time here, 
our singing. It, it's all, all, all of that is involved in worship, but it's our hearts that we're after. If we're just doing that because it's a religious, uh, a religious thing that we're, um, that we're performing to be acceptable to the Lord and to come into, um, into his presence, we've got it backwards. It's, um, it's all about his mercy and love which enables us to come in as unholy, um, sinful people come into his presence and, uh, and enter into relationship with him. I just, some of that stuff was on my heart and I didn't know where to get it, so hopefully I didn't sidetrack you too much from what you're... Anyway, I just, I think what you're doing is just scratching the surface of where the Lord wants to take us as, the, as a body of believers, as the church. So as we were singing the song, Oh, How He Loves Us, I just, uh, well, first of all, I just felt this wave, like uh, when love comes like a hurricane, just this wave of God's love just sweep over and us bending in it like the trees, but not ending here in this building, not with this group of people, but all through Vegreville. And in the next second, this church was full. And it flooded out into the fields. That field out back was full of people. And um, it reminded me of a vision that I had had years and years ago in this church where there was, I was standing in the back of the field. There was only a few around standing or sitting around. And then the next week it came and the field was full. And uh, how he loves us. He loves each and every one of us and he's drawing us in and he's going to draw in Vagerville and it's not just to this church it's just it's to him that's what I was getting anybody else get a further picture of I'm going to trust he's going to keep working on all of us this week so Father I declare uh, an unveiling of, of our eyes, and the eyes of our mind and our heart, that, uh, Lord, that we could see you more clearly, that you just give us more and more and more of who you are, a picture of who you are, Lord. So we're going we're gonna to move along to kind of the next part here of worship. So our resources... Your time and money. Are we, are we set up to do uh, to do the offering? Good. Doorkeepers, the sons of Korah. Our resources, time, money, and talents, when given as a sacrifice to God, are also worship. So it's there in the Old Testament and the New. Uh, in the Old Testament, there was the tithe being a tenth, ten percent of the, and the offerings from the first fruits. That was very specific. It was from the first fruits. In the New Testament, the standard is actually quite a bit higher. You don't hear them talk about the tithe in the New Testament. Pull up Acts 2.44 through 45. Is that? Can you get? Oh, hang on. Acts 2.44 through 45. This is the standard in the New Testament. If anybody was ring, if 10% was a stretch... All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they shared with anyone who was in need. That's, that's the New Testament standard. I'm kind of happy with 10%, thanks, um, and, and some offerings. But this is, does anybody want an Acts 2 church? 
an apostleship model. Gary, this is the apostleship model. This is this is the standard. This is the standard they live by. So God accepts, again, this is a, the finance specifically is, is a fragrant offering to God as well. And it's a part of our worship. Um, Acts 4, 34 and 35, there was, there was another one. That there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. Relax. It's okay. We're not asking you to go and sell your property. God wants us to give what we've decided in our hearts to give. 2 Corinthians 9, 7. He loves the cheerful giver. So you're, you're okay. You can just give what you've decided in your heart to give. We don't have to step up at that. Uh, so can we pull up the offering reading? We'll do that together. As we receive today's offering, we are believing you for heaven open, earth invaded, storehouses unlocked, and miracles created, dreams and visions, angelic visitations, declaration, impartation, and divine manifestations, anointings, giftings, and calls, positions and promotions, provisions and resources to go to the nations, souls and more souls from every generation saved and set free, carrying kingdom revival. As, as. Thank you, Father, that as I join my value system to yours, you will shower favor, blessing, and increase upon me, so I have more than enough to co-labor with heaven to see Jesus get his full reward. Hallelujah! So you can celebrate with joy as you put your finances in there. That's, again, more, offer, more, uh, more worship. Just going to keep going here. So, so when David reestablished the, uh, the tabernacle, um, so way back, you know, Moses brought the Israelites, God brought the Israelites out of Egypt. They spun around in the desert for 40 years, ate in manna and, and, uh, and quail, and um, their clothes didn't wear out. And God established the tabernacle there with them. He gave them very specific instructions. It was all detailed out. There was a lot of gold and, again, all sorts of processes and procedures. That was lost. Um, I, don't, I don't, don't know if they figure out where the actual tabernacle went. They, they did still know where the ark was, but I think the Philistines had captured it. Um, but the Philistines were just getting hammered with tumors and boils and all. They were killing. I forget. Like, I think God struck down like 50-some thousand of them because they had, they had the ark and they weren't supposed to. So David, he, um, he, sorry, the Philistines wanted to get rid of the ark because it was a bad news for them. So they put it on a cart and it came and it came back into, into the Israelites' territory. So then David's like, well, we have the ark back. We need, to, we need to reestablish the tabernacle. So he didn't follow all the directions. He um, set up a tent, and, and then they, they put, the, uh, put the ark on a cart, brought it up. They danced and celebrated like nobody's business. I mean, there was tambourine people like crazy giving her and horns and leers and um, drums and cymbals and dancing shouts 
And, um, but they, and God let them do that until, of course, the ox stumbled and Uzzah, is that his name? Reached out, put his hand on the ark, and he got struck down. And then David was like, whoa, we have sinned. And so they, they left the ark there at Obed-Edom's house on his threshing floor, I think it was. Of course, Obed-Edom, he gets totally blessed while the ark is there. But then David goes back. They, they go pull up the, the scriptures, the scrolls that they had. For, okay, how are we supposed to handle the ark? Well, it's the Levites were supposed to do it. There's supposed to be poles. And again, so they get all, then he gets, okay, let's get the stuff set up so that we can do this safely so nobody dies in our celebration. And, and then he, he goes to, to bring up the ark again into Jerusalem. So it's now being brought into the city of David. And he's got a tent set up there for it. And it wasn't as much the ark. See, the ark, um, on top of the ark was the cherubim. And that is where the presence, God's presence was there. That was the, that was the thing about the ark. His presence was there. The ark by itself was just a gold-covered fancy box. It was that his presence was there between the cherubim. So obviously, when wherever the ark was and God's presence was, there was, I mean, blessing for Obed-Edom. I mean, he was totally blessed. To the point that when they brought the ark from Obed-Edom's house up to Jerusalem, Obed-Edom's like, uh, I, I want to go with it. So then you read Obed-Edom's in there as, as the, uh, I forget if it's the gatekeeper, his, him and his family are the worshipers, but he's, he's in there. Like he's, there's no way I'm staying, I'm, I'm getting left behind. I'm going with God's presence. He got so used to it at his place. So, uh, so in First Chronicles 15 and 16, uh, David reestablishes the tabernacle. And in 16.4, he appoints from the Levites people to be praisers, thankers, and rememberers. Now, these aren't the, fa the fancy words, but they make more sense to us if I put it this way. Praisers, it's actually rememberers, praisers, and thankers. Um, he also, this is also where he appoints 212 gatekeepers, the sons of Korah, get... Uh, get established here too um, and Amos and there's um, so this is where he reestablishes worship it goes on 24-7 for 30, 33 years I think actually so it's the same as the, the life of Christ the length of time um, so all the Levites get set up in their, in their order so that they can uh, worship all the time 24-7 uh, Amos 9-11 and Acts 15-12 17, do I have that in there? Uh, no, that's okay. That in Amos, Amos 9.11 talks about um, David's tent being rebuilt. So David establishes a tabernacle. His worship goes on day and night for 33 years. And I, I, can't, I have to go back and read why it, it, it did end, whatever happened. Um, but Amos prophesies that David's tent would be rebuilt. And then in the New Testament, in Acts 15, 12, and 17, they talk about, they, re, they refer to Amos. And when the Holy Spirit came, that was reestablishing David's tent, the tent of the tabernacle again, so that worship can go on 24-7 again, so worship can be reestablished. So that's what pulls what David did. David pulled the future into his time, and then we get to pull what David did into our time, the Holy Spirit. And I, th I think that model is what we worship in today. So uh, the, the thanking, the praising, and the remembering, rememberers, praisers, thankers, and rememberers. 
so that we can, uh, I think this is, this is also so we can walk corporately in the model that David established for our worship. So I need, Johnny, can you put your bass down? Give me a hand. We had a handout, um, some cue cards and some pens to everybody. You could do it, Chrissy, please. Yep. So we're going to do a little bit of an exercise. Um, we did this as a worship team a couple months ago. Um, part of praising is, is even just having the vocabulary the words to use. You ever, especially when Sandy's, when Sandy's leading worship and she's like, just sing out a new song, just, just praise him. Do you get stuck? You ever gotten stuck? Thinking, ah, I need words on the screen for me to sing. I can't just think of words of praise. So you have your choice between colored index cards or plain index cards, depending if you're that type of person or not. And you're going to want to keep this to take take home afterwards, but we're going to do a little exercise. What I want you to do is on the one side, so this is part of your praising, thanking, and then communion, we're going to do the remembering here, but thanking ends up going into, into remembering as well, because you're usually remembering something, and that's what you're thankful for. That's, that's off, often. So what you're going to do is on one side, you're going to write as many praise words. You take a card or two if you want. In case you run out of room, I remember when we when we did this worship team, Jack Jack uh, he wrote down like forty two praise words. He just he doubled up on everybody. He just they were just rolling. So you want to write as many praise words on the front as you can. So the names of God work, uh, names of Jesus, his attributes, his promises, and basically what you're thinking of is Lord, I praise you for for who you are. I praise you because you are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are mighty. You are all-powerful. You have all authority. You're my brother. You love me. Father, I thank you because you are my father. I thank you because, sorry, I praise you for being above all. And then on the back, that's where you're going to write thanks. So, Father, I thank you for accepting me. I thank you uh, for sending Jesus. I thank you for anything that you want to thank him for. So it's just a little exercise to try and pull out some vocabulary. Think of some words, praise words and thanks words. So you can get started. One side, praise. The other side, thanks. And write as many praise words. We're going to do three minutes. As many praise words as you can put on one side and as many thanks words on the other. And you get a free pen out of the deal, I think. Or do you get take all the pens? So as many praise words on one side and as many thanks words on the other side. His promises. You thank him for his promises. There's all sorts of promises. You can thank him for things personally. Thank you for your health. Thank you, Father, for my family.
pen has a little safety ball on the end. In case your pen doesn't work, it's probably got a little plastic ball on the end of the end of it. going you got another minute as many praise words thanks words some of those words just praise him praise him for who he is and thank him thank him for who he is to you who he's, what he's done in your life and then we're going to remember and communion Jesus said to do this in remembrance of him so we're going we're gonna to take communion together as a, as a family too so we're going to do our, our praising, our thanking and our remembering
just just speak out your praise to him. thanks. Just speak your thanks out loud to him. Just, you can just whisper. You don't have to yell it, but just, just, just speak it out. Speak your thanks. to come up and, and take the, the bread and the, and the juice and if you can just hang on to it a bit we can, we can just we can just all take it yeah if everybody can come up and get get their bread and juice and just take it back to their seat and hang on to it if we can get uh, Lincoln if you can you do a bit of serving for Just, we're just going to sing this song uh, in thanks and, and over us. So. Streams. 
Jesus when he was uh, with his disciples for that last meal. You got the scriptures there, Lincoln? I just I just went to Romans where or to Corinthians where Paul. Share whichever go ahead. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this, this, my body, which is for you, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So we thank you, Father. For, uh, for sending Jesus as a, as a sacrifice for us. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your willingness to, to be that sacrifice and to give yourself uh, that we might enter in, into relationship with you. Thank you for allowing your body to be broken and uh, for going through the, the physical torture that you went through, that by your stripes we might be healed, for providing a way for, for healing, for external and, and internal healing, Lord. By your stripes we are healed, and I don't remember exactly how that goes, but Lord, you, for, you were bruised for our iniquities, for our sin. And we just thank you for enduring the cross for us. We can partake together of his body. In the same manner, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink, as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Thank you, Lord Jesus for allowing your blood to be shed. Your word says that without the shedding of blood, there's no remittance of sin. And we thank you for, for that sacrifice of, uh, of shedding your own blood that once and for all, past, present, and future, our sins are covered by the blood of the Lamb. You, the, the perfect Lamb, who was led to slaughter without opening your mouth. Thank you for enduring the cross. Thank you for shedding your blood to bridge that sin gap between us and a holy God. Lord Jesus, thank you.
we can partake of the, the blood together, or the cup representing his blood. things have passed away your love has stayed the same your constant grace remains the cornerstone things that we thought
sing of all you've done. I'll remember how far you carried me from beginning till the end. You are faithful, faithful to
love is wide and it covers us. His love is fierce, love is strong, it's glorious. His love is sweet, His love is wild, and it's waking hearts light. Father loves and sends His Son. That's my prayer for all of us this week. God would awaken our hearts to life in Him. That you'd get a greater revelation of who He is. That worship would be able to just pour out of all of our hearts. Um, Not just here Sunday mornings, but uh, all week and all that we do.
So you're, you're free to go. We're just going to sing Happy Day as a, as a going out song, but you can feel free to go as, as you want. So bless you. Have a, have a great week, everybody.
Okay, Chris put on the headphones, though, so I wasn't sure. All right, so be blessed. Have a, have a great week, everyone.